0: journey to parenthood isn't always easy. For many, fertility can be one of life's greatest challenges and in this podcast we'll be talking to people with all different types of journeys, including stories of loss and grief, but also and most importantly of strength and hope. We'll talk openly about different experiences to provide you with advice, support and coping strategies and hopefully some comfort and to help you feel less alone. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Hopes and Dreams podcast. Today I'm joined by my old friend Susie. Susie and I used to work together in London at the Children's Society, a children's charity, in the times before we were thinking about babies and starting family. And Susie was the type of person that you'd walk in the office in the morning and she'd say, oh my goodness, I love your dress or I love your top and make you feel good about yourself. And she's such a positive person. But Susie is going to be talking about something really difficult. Susie has been through unimaginable loss, uh, recurrent loss of and lots of miscarriages, including one in a in the second trimester. And Susie and I have talked a lot about loss and miscarriage on having been on a similar journey. But also, as I said, Susie is full of hope. And whilst talking about grief, she's gonna talk about how she kept going and picked herself up off the floor and kept going despite horrendous trauma and grief. And I really appreciate you, Susie, coming on to talk about this, and I know that it's really going to help other people going through this to see how you've managed to find your feet and and keep going despite awful sadness.
1: You're absolutely welcome, Emma, and thanks so much for inviting me. I I think this isn't a wonderful thing you're doing Um, to help those who've been through some of the things we've been through to not only find a forum to express, I guess, what's happened to them, but also hopefully help others on those journeys and and hopefully those people around them to help understand, I don't know, but what it maybe is like or what it might feel like and help to empathise and and to sort of support those people. So I salute you and anyone who's been involved in this uh,
0: podcast. Thank you, Mrs. And um, I know that the things you're going to talk about are really going to help others going through it. So I really, really appreciate you coming on. I I, I guess I always like to start at the sort of beginning to a certain extent of people's story to kind of set the scene. So, Suze, you have a beautiful daughter, Dorothy, who I believe is five. And and more recently, you've had Ziggy with your partner, Daz. Um, But your journey to parenthood has been really hard, bloody hard. And you've experienced incredible loss and and suffered unimaginable pain. Um, can you talk about your journey a little bit? Yeah,
1: sure. So, I mean, it has been a really challenging time. We were so lucky when we decided to start on our journey, hopefully to parenthood, um, that we fell pregnant straight away with Dorothy, uh, one of those people. <laughs> um, and the pregnancy was very straightforward, Um we were very lucky with everything. I was healthy and Dorothy was delivered self- safely and well. And I have to say, I never took it for granted, though, just because I fell pregnant early, because I was heading for 40, very close to 40 at the time. So I knew that, you know, I, I was lucky and blessed to have fallen pregnant so easily. Um, Yeah, and we had Dorothy, and as you say, she's now five. And then in early 2018, I think when Dorothy was about two, two and a half we decided to try for another one Um, and that was a very different journey that we set off on which lasted I think for about two years if you don't include Ziggy um, as you mentioned our, our second child at the end but during those two years basically we had five miscarriages in total each one getting longer in terms of the number of weeks. It felt like I was maybe doing something right at least, but um, each one sadly uh, didn't make it. And I guess it that journey just controlled our lives for such a long time. And I think when I look back, it it feels quite surreal now, and sort of like a horrific dream. It's sort of this slow movement of time across months, um, hoping, praying, counting the days of, your cycle, sort of endless days of your cycle, um, and then the miscarriages themselves you know, spread out over those two years, and, and what that felt like, and pain that, you know, is, is very difficult to describe to, to anyone else, and meanwhile having to carry on with your day-to-day life, you know, and while the world moves on around you, and you feel like you're standing still in some kind of time warp, but... And each time you sort of pick yourself up again, if that's what you really want to do. You know, if you want to have a child, you try and pick yourself up again and go next time, next time, next time, whilst also trying to be a good mum to Dorothy and be normal and create a happy life for her. So, yeah, it was um, a pretty stressful two years, particularly after the first two miscarriages, um, which were very close together, sort of in two across, I think it was three months in January and March. And I, after that, I, I realised that something wasn't quite right with me on an emotional level, not just dealing with the pain of the miscarriages, the physical side, the, that type of journey. But emotionally, I after about six months, I realised I was an absolute mess. I was experiencing what could only be described as extreme mood swings. Daz couldn't do anything right. I mean, I think I, I hid most of it from Dorothy, but... And that was my biggest fear obviously was any impact on her, but I could go f- from being in floods of tears to I mean, rage almost internally, not externally, but I would feel this rage to being happy to whatever in between and eventually i i I just almost couldn't cope with it i I, I just felt trapped in myself and i I did go to the doctors in the end and I just sat with her and cried. <laughs> and explained to her and said, can you give me something? I've, I've never had to turn to anything before, but um, I just knew that I needed some something to help me through drugs, basically. And then she said, look, there is something I can give you. And my first question was, does it affect fertility? And she said, well, yes, that's the, the downside. So of course I said, I'm out. <laughs> um, and I went home and I sat down and I remember just crying, going, what am I gonna do? How do, how do I deal with this? And then I remember, I'd remembered reading something about um, your cycle and generally your mental health around women and their menstrual cycles and how it goes through certain processes in the month. And basically, it sounds maybe a little bit strange, but I, I sort of stopped myself in my tracks and started listening to my body. And I realised that as I went through a month and a cycle of your menstrual cycle, you go through seasons, so the summer is your ovulation. You feel good, you feel great, everything is brilliant. You're looking your best. You're probably attracting um, people of the, of, you know, the opposite or same sex. You know, um, everything's good with the world. And then it goes into autumn, as either you haven't fallen pregnant, and then you hit winter when you have your period, and then you go into spring as your body starts to regenerate. And I was at my worst through autumn and winter. And there's lots of studies about this, actually, and a lot of stuff around physical exercise and when you should time your exercise actually around your body. So it's interesting if anyone's wondering about things like that, go on and have a look at it because it's fascinating stuff. And it really worked for me to stop, be kind to myself and say, right, where am I right now? This is why I feel so bad. I could turn around to Daz and say, Daz, I could rip your head off right now please leave me alone. Or, you know, just I feel really bad. I feel grumpy. I feel tired. I, I can't explain why I'm so emotional right now. And so it just helped me and us as I went through. And once I sort of took control of my body, emotionally, I felt able to carry on a bit further.
0: I completely empathise with that because um, you and I have had a similar journey to some, you know, respects. I've, I've lost five babies too. And I just felt like, I still feel I'm still in it now, just that kind of, I don't know who I am. My confidence Mm -hmm. is gone. I feel like sometimes I'm going mad. I have weird feelings of envy and jealousy or just huge sadness that I've never experienced before. And it's such a weird thing because, you know, I've lost people I love in my life before, like grandparents or relatives and things, and that's been hugely sad. But this is a different kind of Mm -hmm. sadness, and it's one that you can't really I've really struggled to pull myself out of and and I and I had to go on antidepressants about well just a little under a year ago because I had a proper breakdown like a proper mental breakdown and I had to have two two months off work um and it's really hard and it's really hard to explain to someone that hasn't experienced that and been through it and um yeah it does it screws you up it changes you and I think that's what you what you know you and I've talked about before in that sense yeah and I've, I
1: felt at the time that um I was behaving in certain ways and even if say I'd be out with friends and everything would be fine in terms of I'd be happy and we'd be enjoying ourselves there was just this tension in me you know for that whole time even if I, I wasn't sitting there thinking about am I pregnant uh, you know am I going to get pregnant but there was this underlying tension in me the whole time, and I'll admit, you know, it, it came out a couple of times in the wrong ways, and and uh, fortunately, I have some very good friends who know me very well, and were able to sort of go, "That's not you, Susie. What's going on? You know, you're mm. you're doing and saying things that aren't quite right." And so, and that was in the time sort of I think before, as I say, I sort of got help and stopped and really started to look after myself properly. Um, but yeah, up until then, I re- I realised I was sort of on the edge of something um, and probably heading in exactly the same direction as
0: you um, but I, I i also you, you saying i I don't, I don't think i quite appreciated you had a lot of loss in two years like for your body emotionally and physically and mentally to go through that no wonder it imbalanced you because that's it's so much to go through in such a short really quite a short period of time but when you're in that zone is like I'm I'm approaching forty in at the end of the year and thinking about you know, you don't feel like you have a lot of time. I describe it as a sort of egg timer where the sand is, <laughs> is 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 going through really quickly. So you feel like, Oh, I don't really have that much time to think about this. I've got to just get on with it and do it if yeah. we're gonna do it. So yeah, I understand you why you tried and tried again and again within that window to do it, but it must have yeah. been really, really hard.
1: Yeah. I think particularly if you're wondering you know, it's not about blame, but particularly if you're wondering, is it me? You know, is it my eggs? Is it my body? Is it whatever? Is it just that I'm too stressed? Is it just that we're unlucky? And you're asking yourselves those questions, and so that in itself, I think, can put a huge amount of pre- uh, pressure, sorry, on anyone who's wanting to to mm. fall pregnant. I know we've all heard the oh you need to not drink, you need to have a healthy lifestyle, you need to not be stressed, you need to do this. And you're thinking, you know, all well and good. All I want to do every month is basically open a bottle of wine. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. want to sit there, sort of, you know, being all holier than thou. I want to get drunk and forget about this, but you can't.
0: Yeah, and don't tell me to relax because that's yeah. what, like it's very easy for someone to say that if you're not in the boat of trying desperately to, you know become a parent but it I mean awful like to go through that many times and as I said I completely understand but you've also experienced something I haven't experienced you you've lost a baby in that second trimester too and I I know it must be so painful to talk about this Susan but can you talk about what happened at that 20-week scan?
1: <clears throat> yeah so We'd, as I mentioned, we'd had a scan at fourteen weeks, so I had started to relax actually around the pregnancy and feel like that it was it was going to work, and so we went to our twenty week scan, and it was such so surreal because we were heading off to Wilderness the festival that weekend, and the scan happened to be on that day, so we literally rocked up to the hospital feeling all cool and festivalized. Um, thinking, we'll have this scan, we're going to be so happy, and then we're going to go off and, and have a great time at Wilderness. And we got there, and the stenographer was running late, and, um, you know, just taking it all in our stride. And she she was really grumpy, actually, and that really did not help this situation at all, But because she was late and she was all flustered because she's been stuck in traffic. And, I mean, I, again, it's one of those experiences that I think you maybe compartmentalise a little bit to help you deal with it. It's still there, you have to own it, but it seems very surreal now looking back. Um, but I remember she brought up the baby, Bo, and um, our little girl, and I just knew something was wrong. She didn't look right, she looked, I could see all of the bones in her spine, and she just looked skinny. She hadn't looked like that before, and she obviously was still, but you don't You don't let yourself think the worst. But I just popped into my head. I thought, something's not right. And then it was very quiet. She didn't say anything for a while. And then she said, I'm really sorry, but there's no heartbeat. And that's it. Your sort of world falls apart. And I remember knowing that was right. Um, But I think the hardest thing of that experience was then Darren, lovely, lovely Daz. It was his the sound of his voice saying please check again and this desperation and me turning to him and saying no there's no point she's gone um and I remember at that time I've always been quite a controlled person I say that I'm a redhead I'm not very controlled at all but (laughs) um and I remember just wailing you know, I didn't wail in childbirth, I didn't moo like a cow, I didn't, you know, I was able to control my feelings, my emotions, my pain and all of that, and I just let everything out, I didn't care if anyone could hear me, I was screaming wailing, Um, and I think probably I was wailing out (laughs) all of the pain of all of the miscarriages, I don't know, but um, I just remember one of the the wonderful ladies on the foetal medicine unit in West Middlesex Hospital sort of hold, just holding my hand and holding me. And it was all a bit of a blur after that. But, um, yeah, we then sort of started heading into, once you've taken on the news, it just goes into this strange practical situation because you then have to make decisions. You have to... um, talk about what's going to happen to the baby, how you're going to deliver the baby. And because of the um, age, because she was so far advanced, we would have to deliver naturally somehow, whether that be under anaesthetic or, you know, a a delivery in the same way as anyone would deliver a child with me being awake and going into labour. So we... Went off, it was so strange, as I say. We decided there wasn't anything we could do about this and we weren't re- ready to prepare for it. So, for some reason, we found ourselves in the car driving to Wilderness. And then we got about half an hour down the motorway, and I just said to Daz, What the hell are we doing? And he said, I don't know. We were just a mess. We did not know where we were coming or going. So, we obviously got back and <laughs> turned around, went home and booked in, phoned the hospital and booked in for the Monday or um, well, Sunday, I think, to deliver Beau. Um, naturally, uh, we decided that after everything we'd been through, and I think this is obviously more me, but I... I mean, Oda to her sounds probably a little bit silly, but I wanted to be awake. I wanted to experience her birth um, and to be there for her. So... Yeah, we then booked him to go into West Middlesex, and they have this wonderful system there where if you're delivering a stillbirth or, or a sort of a miscarriage, ours is still called a miscarriage, I think it's after 24 weeks, and it falls into a different sort of terminology, so ours still counts as miscarriage, and they give you a little card with a butterfly on um, And so everywhere you go, you show this card so that no one questions you. If you show this card, they know why you're there. They don't suddenly start asking you, what are you doing, blah, blah, blah. They obviously understand that you're there for something quite traumatic. So I went in and, again, I look back and I'm not sure where this decision came from. But um, I decided that I wanted to give birth without any drugs. So I was induced. Um, and following suit from Dorothy's labor, I then, (laughs) nothing happened. (laughs) So I then spent about 10 hours, I think, laboring, um, until I realized that it was silly. I was in a lot of pain, obviously, because I'd been induced. Um, I was like almost a bit of a, I I don't know if I was pushing myself to see how much pain I could take. Sort of looking back, I don't understand really why I made that decision not to have any drugs. <laughs> but there was a point, I think, after 10 hours where I just turned to thousand and I said, I can't do this anymore. What am I doing? You know, there's not going to be a happy ending here. It's all well and good going through labour and the pain of labour when someone hands you a lovely newborn. Um, so I just said, give me the drugs. <laughs> and the best thing, <laughs> the best thing out of this situation is, because sadly Bo obviously wasn't alive, I could have morphine, um, which I recommend to anybody. Um, and so I had all the drugs and promptly fell asleep. And then at about 4.30 in the morning, I woke up and I remember Daz was asleep and the midwife was pottering somewhere or she might have even be out of the room. And I could feel Bo had come down and I could just feel her there ready to come. And I just sort of took a moment at that point And I sort of touched her head and then I called the midwife and I said, I think she's ready. Um, So she just said, one push and she'll be with us. So there she was. And then it's wonderful what they do in the hospitals um, and how they deal with that. All I could think of was how was this midwife dealing with this and seeing this? They do a fantastic job. You know, it's the other side to um, labouring. Yeah. And so she brought her back and she'd taken a little footprint um, and she had her all wrapped up little sort of tiny thing with little fingers and toes and really perfect still a little bit alien like around the eyes but so developed it was quite astounding I have to say in terms of the miracle of life um, and probably only about sort of 10 inches long and she was in this lovely little basket and we got to hold her and there was so much care in the hospital they basically said you can stay here as long as you like with her and they basically it sounds awful but put her on ice they have this little incubator that they're in um that puts them on ice so that they can obviously stay you know physically um (laughs) intact Want a better word um so um yeah we stayed there for quite a few hours and then there was a point where i said you know i'm ready to go um we gave a little teddy um we've got a matching one at home to go in with her and Dorothy had drawn some little cards um the one for each of us that went in with her and then um yeah so that was what happened um oh. with Bo 20 weeks
0: I just I knew this would break me Susan <laughs> sorry I just, uh, no 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 it's just because um preparing for this I knew it with this I just I think you're amazing and I just think the way you talk about her and i just so sorry I just cannot imagine having to go through that and I've seen her in in preparation for the podcast you sent me some pictures and there's the lovely one of you holding her and did you I mean what did you speak to her did you did that da, did Daz speak to her how how did you spend that time together with her yeah
1: I mean it's it's so strange and I know Daz struggled initially the concept of this for Daz I, I know he struggled with not because he didn't value our baby he loved her but I think it was really pushing him emotionally to say we're going to deliver our baby who isn't sadly yeah. you know going to spend the rest of our lives with us and we are going to spend some time with her um, and I was so proud of him to see how he dealt with that but yeah we did and we each held her obviously we held her together and actually we fell asleep on the bed there's a lot, the room was great you know it had a double bed in it and lots of charities donate resources and stuff for the room to make it comfortable there's so much that goes on with our NHS I have to say it's incredible um, and we held her and just held her in the basket held her in our arms in the little sort of blanket that they give her them There's such wonderful touches to make it feel special and to give you that time, and no-one bothers you. They have to come in and start talking about things like the funeral or what you want to do and also whether you want a post-mortem. So there are some practical things, but every time they did intrude in that, it was done so sensitively. But, yeah, we did talk to her, and we talked about Dorothy, and, um, you know, she'll always be one of our children
0: yeah exactly and that's what Rhiannon said in her episode about Harris she's you know she's got two other babies she's always got three and you do and that and and Bo is Bo is part of your little family and and she always will be and she's special and I always say that even with the babies I lost in early early now I know that I had one the last one was a girl and when you said that about the, the 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 guys finding it hard, I think my husband found it hard that to find out she was a girl, right. and also I want to name her before she's before her her due date, which is in August, and he mm-hmm. he finds out really hard to cope with because it's that becomes, I guess, more real, and I guess with Bo coming and holding her and it not being, you know, the happy ending that you wanted her to have, it's really hard for the guys to cope with that. Yeah. That, that, that too
1: and I think I mean there are some real stereotypes in there you know I mean Daz is pretty in touch with his emotions but you know he's he's there's emotion was flowing out of him you know in the same way it was with me and and I think you know and he doesn't cry very often so I think when you do cry if you're not used to crying a male female whatever you know I just think that is quite hard sometimes because you just don't know how to deal with it within yourself but as I say, we we became so tight uh, around that time and in those weeks. I I don't think we've ever been closer as a couple and as a little family because of that pain that we were going through. And it was, you know, each other was the only person who knew exactly what that felt like. So, you know, we had, that was one thing that was so wonderful about that time that I will always cherish is how close and how we would just lie in bed and talk and sort of hold each other and yeah it was it was also special
0: there for each other and you really see why you love that person so much and they pull through for you at the worst darkest time and you've you're both going through it so you're there for one another and how how you support support each other um and with the with losing a baby much further along in in the pregnancy and and delivering little beau then you had to have a funeral and how, how did you, how was that going through that awful experience?
1: Yeah. I mean, there are lots of choices at this time and you don't have to have a funeral and I can totally understand why people might just, you know, go, I'm going to have the baby under anesthetic. So I don't know what's happening and then it's done. And if you have that, then they can't, you can't meet the baby basically because of the procedure and how it happens. I won't go into the details, but you can probably imagine what I'm talking about so but for us we said well we want to deliver and meet her and we want to say goodbye to her now we didn't want to have a private funeral you know or invite anyone we felt that was a step too far you know she was 20 weeks she hadn't been born alive and we just thought that was maybe a step too far we would be putting ourselves through too much um, for us obviously so the hospital, the other option is the hospital can arrange a funeral for you and it's done at a local crematorium um, with others. so it's a joint they do them once a month again, this is a wonderful thing that the NHS provides that you know is all paid for. Um, you don't have to think about it, you don't have to organize it, um, which was right for us at that time in terms of you know how we dealt with it. So um, we Had the date through, and we turned up, and we, as I say, we'd already given Bo a little teddy to go in the coffin, and the little cards that Dorothy we'd all made together, Um, and the charity sands that supported us while we were in hospital had also given a little teddy. So there were a few little bits and a blanket. She was wrapped in that, and then we went along as you would for any um, uh, cremation funeral um, at our local crematorium, and um, I think out of everything that was probably the hardest thing because you end up in things that you hear about in films like nobody should say goodbye to their children and um we you know we were sitting in this uh, crematorium and there were five little coffins there one of which obviously was Beau, and then there was another couple there for their daughter um And just seeing this tiny little coffin, which was beautiful, it had a little plaque on it that they'd engraved and they had a rose on it. Um, And we held the coffin in our arms as this wonderful, uh, efficient, is that the word, Um, performed a service very, very sort of sensitively. Um, And I remember feeling so far apart from this other couple, but I could just feel their pain sort of mirrored back Mm -hmm. at back at us and and looking these three other little babies that didn't have anyone there and it it just broke our hearts seeing that but I totally understood why some people could just not put themselves through that because it was probably one of the most painful things I think we've ever had to do in our lives but it was right to do it it was part of a journey a process I guess of using something saying goodbye them it's a step isn't it it's the same with any funeral um along your path and then obviously we collected her ashes and um yeah so it but it (laughs) pretty traumatic experience i have to say and again one that now seems surreal but will forever sort of be you know uh, marked on our lives
0: yeah and when you talked about Dorothy writing little um or drawing little pictures for Bo, how how did you speak to her about it or how did how did she find all of this? Because it's really hard on the little ones as well. I remember Millie's seen me cry quite a few times. Yeah.
1: I think our, um, this is the thing that I think has worried me the most during this journey. You know, I mean obviously we did Bo was the only pregnancy she knew about. Um, because the others were pre twelve weeks, and even with Bowie, didn't necessarily tell her straight away, you know. But as I say, we thought we were pretty comfortable, you know, getting up towards twenty weeks, um, and it did really affect her. And I think that's something that is often lost. Actually, I mean, people have been very—I'm not saying people have forgotten Dorothy, but certainly people support the adults, don't they? And and they, you know, they think it's something that just happens to the children, and they're there along for the ride. Sometimes I don't mean that nastily at all. I just. I see it and then um, she really struggled and she was so sad and still to this day she will turn to me and she'll say mummy I'm so da- sad that and she calls she calls her her baby she says I'm <laughs> so sad that my baby died and she just comes out with it and she talks obviously as a five-year-old now she she talks obviously really well and you have really good conversations with her and she said I'm so sad I didn't have my sister because obviously um, as much as she loves Ziggy it's a boy (laughs) so (laughs) you know um, she's there she's not disappointed but you know what I mean she's this realization you know that it's a boy um so um yeah she she really did struggle and there was a point where I did consider maybe taking her for some counseling or support um and then it happened to be a not far off a, a turning point for her where I think she sort of started to just be able to deal with it but we talked about it a lot and we never shied away from talking about it and I think we didn't force it on her, but certainly, we we did. If she mentioned it, we allowed her that space to express what she was feeling and and how she felt, and and to be that be there with us. But fortunately, I guess on the other side, she is only five, so it did seem to to sort of briefly come into her mind and then go out again. But as I say, she still mentions both to this day.
0: Yeah, and I, I I did the same with Millie because I just wanted her. I oh, oh, obviously. Yeah after a miscarriage you can't really control your emotions because your hormones can be all over the shop and she saw me you know going in and out of hospital and 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 crying and i just decided that i'd be open within a certain degree obviously not going to so much detail but it was actually her that wanted to know about the last one and so i was glad that they were able to tell us what the gender was because it, it she wanted to think about it as a sister so it, it, you know i think i think you just as long as you're careful with your language and you, you don't go into too much detail. I think it's, I think it's better to be open with them. That I understand why some people wouldn't want to, but um, obviously for you, it was different because you were for, much further along in the pregnancy and she would have been excited about it and, and, and sensitive, like little girls are sensitive and, you know, to have that space to talk about it, but I can't, it's, it's, it's hard. It breaks your heart having to, to speak to them about that too. Um, and because Beau was further along, how how was the grief compared to, because you'd actually had to, compared to your other losses, did you find coping in was it harder or in a different way?
1: Um, different, and uh, I have to say with relief a difference, because with the four miscarriages and some of the things you've touched on, I think very early on, I, it just felt a nightmare. You know, I, I didn't like being around pregnant people a lot of the time. You know, I, I really struggled with that. I, with with Bo, losing Bo was, I mean, it's a different loss, but it was like losing anyone who's very important in your life to a certain extent, and it was about grief and about dealing with the grief of, of losing something that's so important um, that you've had, even if it was very brief. Um, so it felt very different from the miscarriages. Um, we weren't thinking about other pregnancies. You know, we weren't on a, oh, is my period going to start again? And um, can I start trying again? It just not, it was so different. With the other miscarriages, I'd sort of be ready almost the next month. I'd be like, right, got to get on it, like you mentioned again. I don't want to lose a month, let's 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 carry on let's carry on and um, with this it was we need to grieve we need time um we don't need to be pregnant right now and if that means we don't have children because of it this could be the thing that's ended it or broken the camera's back or however you want to see it um and it's very difficult to sort of express that i think people to a certain extent around you and i totally understand that it is so difficult for people around you to really know what to do or say sometimes um but I think people still expected us to be in that baby journey in that baby land and we had a lot of people's who pushing that onto us to say, not in a bad you know they weren't being nasty but just wanting it to be about pregnancies and babies and we were just literally like we just need time to heal um, and I know I talked to you when we were chatting I've never I've never experienced real grief before for a long time you know last person that sort of died in my life was when I was 16, I think I was about 14, my grandma, and that was a long time ago. Um, Or, you know, grandparents that have died since, it's sort of end of life deaths. And this was just, it was was something I couldn't imagine how to deal with, to be honest with you. I didn't know how to really express it. Uh, The closest I've come is to say it felt like you are standing still, sort of in the cold on your own and the world is just turning around you and people are just moving around you and you are lost um and i mentioned to you this strange experience i had we were trying to do the normality thing with dorothy and we took her to see frozen 2 which is a wonderful film and it gets to the end of the film and i won't give too much away for those who are on ten to find out what happens but basically there is a song about grief and it knocked me for six because it absolutely expressed how I was feeling um it's some of the language in it it says I've seen dark before but not like this this is cold this is empty this is numb and then there's a line which says this grief has a gravity it pulls me down um and that's how I felt you know there's I just sobbed in the cinema, I just literally was like, I cannot believe in this, it's wonderful almost that in this film they are brave enough to bring something so serious into this children's film and to share those emotions and hopefully also the children don't listen to the world in that much depth and don't make it upset by it, but I just knew that the only thing that would take me through it was time and that I needed to give myself time and thankfully, time it's a cliche, but it's true but time is a healer. I allowed myself to grieve, I looked after myself, I protected myself if I needed to from not putting myself in situations maybe that I thought would be difficult i just I just looked after myself and I found the right place as time went on for beau in our lives and where she would sit and how I would feel about it. Um, and when it came up to her due date which was Christmas day um, we celebrated her and I'd come so far in those sort of six months that I sat there at Christmas lunch and we were with mum and my sister and I think they were obviously slightly worried as to how I'd be because you know um, that was the due date for Beau but I felt absolutely fine because I'd spent my time well almost I'd done what I needed to do to bring myself through it. And the time that I had spent almost, it sounds a bit strange, but it felt relative to her life. Um, you know, I didn't, I knew I couldn't afford to be, you know, not wallowing, but going beyond that and allowing it to overtake my life because I, I have a life, I have a daughter, I have a loving partner and we have happiness and we have joy and I don't didn't want sadness and grief to be the thing that controlled it so we found her place and we still celebrate her and talk about her and as i say i have three children but we look at it now with happiness and sometimes you get you know smacked in the face with a reminder of how sad and traumatic it was but you know most of the time it's we, we manage it and and we feel comfortable with it now
0: yeah and and grief isn't linear is it it's um no. you you it... It, it ebbs and flows, and sometimes it's waves yeah. you can step over. Sometimes it's ones that push you over, and you feel completely thrown thrown across by them, and, and don't know how to sort of cope with it. But it's just about sort of navigating that in life and accepting it that sometimes that happens, and you, and sometimes you you do feel overwhelmed by your feelings. And did you did people know what to say and support you and Daz or Did you get support and I guess what advice would you give to others as to what to say or do if they have a friend or family member or work colleague going through the pain that you guys did?
1: Mm. It's Yes, we did, for sure. And I think one thing that actually helped in the process for me was I took control of my situation so straight away I was like if I was in groups or friends or or with my friends I literally messaged them and I told them what I wanted to say I gave them the full story and I sort of said at the end of it to start with please don't contact me necessarily until I reach out to you because I just need space but I have some amazing friends in my life around that time we had It was so subtle. I mean, a lot of my friends kind of just say did ignore that, but in a good way, (laughs) because what they would do is they'd just check in. They'd just send me a message going, I'm thinking of you. Here if you need me, when you're ready. There was no pressure. There was no like, oh, Susie, I hope you're okay. I'm so sorry. Let's talk about Beau. Let's make you feel something you're not ready to feel about or try and push you in a place that you're not at yet. Um, We had wonderful practical support from food parcels to help with Dorothy. Um, We had support about remembering Beau, so... um, we've got a rose garden now from roses that people bought us and we have a tree that planted in her name and a star in the sky you know and all of these things these little things that people did it was so special to us and to people just as I say just letting us know they were there emotionally without that pressure but I totally understand as I said grief is isolating or something miscarriages can be so isolating you feel like no one can understand or because it's your experience and it's so difficult for people around you to know what to say and do sometimes and I and we did have some situations which were upsetting but the the key thing I would say to anybody is you know your friends you know your family whoever it is that's in your life who's going through this you know what they're like as a person listen to them remember what your friendship is based on and do what you think is best you know don't overthink it Just keep it simple and reach out and say, when you need me, I'm here. If they need to talk, I'm here. If you need me to take your child for the day, I'm here. We can talk about this or we don't have to talk about it. Um, And definitely don't do the tilting, squinty-eyed, oh, look, where you know that someone's pitting you. Because pity is probably the worst thing, isn't it, during the miscarriage situation I always find, where you sort of know you're set apart from everybody else, um, it's when and you get too much pity obviously shown on other people's faces but yeah I think um, just listen to what your friend or, or family member is saying and and just respect that and and go with them on that journey as much as you can I mean people don't mean to be hurtful or unkind Um, so it's it's just about accepting that and trying to trying to get through it
0: together as best you can I think that's great advice and I think the key thing is acknowledging it not not ignoring it just and even if you don't know what to say just say i'm really sorry or i don't know how you feel but i'm here if you need me or sending a little message to say thinking of you or a voice note to say that you know it doesn't have to be a lot but just acknowledging it and saying you're there if 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 the person needs to talk mm. and be led exactly as you say by by their feelings and if they yeah. want to talk about it one day you might and another day you might not want to talk about That's it true. and you might just want to pretend that's not happening and I think the huge thing that you know you and Daz have amazing strengths and I've always thought this I remember you guys you ran a charity run not long after you lost Bo and I remember not knowing how you did that like emotionally and physically like and to do that but you know after not that long and and you kept going with and and you've also kept going with the hope to have another baby and how how did you find that strength to do both those things
1: well the run was one of those moments where it sort of got to august and i felt like we needed to reclaim something i think and we'd had as i mentioned this wonderful support from this charity sands that support around um you know baby loss and miscarriages and stillbirths. and it's so subtle in hospital but the the stuff you get from them is just incredible and it helped us navigate so many of those really difficult moments such as post-mortem's um, funerals what to do with work it get, we had leaflets that I could send to work to say look you, there's someone in your office that has um, experienced baby loss here's how to help your staff deal with them because obviously there's people that you, you work with day in day out but you might not actually be close to or be friends with um, or might have their own difficult journeys and suddenly having to worry about you know and I was you know sort of their boss of the team at the time thinking oh my gosh how do I deal with this um so I, we just felt I mean as you know I've worked in charities for years and I just wanted to repay them for something so I forced us to sign up I mean does does a lot of exercise anyway but forced him to sign up to this half marathon and I'll be honest with you it was it was that was a really hard thing to do because I have been a runner and I've done half marathons um in the past but I have to say, I dragged my, sorry, um, pregnancy-ridden body <laughs> all through my training regime and round that course. And I did it, but it was one of the worst performances <laughs> run-wise of my life. Um, and we raised over 2,000 pounds, which was great, but I did find it extremely hard, physically, emotionally, and just to keep control of why we were doing it and what it meant um, and the significance of it. And, um, yeah, I when I crossed the finish line I just broke down I was just on the floor nearly I think I sent you a photo of me and it was lovely Dorothy ran over the finish line with me and Daz had already finished obviously she's much fitter than me um but yeah I did it in the slowest time I've ever run a half marathon but you but did, it. did it <laughs> yeah I did you it you
0: bloody, I mean... bloody did it and I don't know how because like <laughs> for you. all reasons and that photo is amazing I'm going to share that on um the, the stories um for the podcast but definitely and not only that you 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 got back off the floor after this awful loss and you kept going and and you've gone on to have a a gorgeous little boy
1: yeah i mean after beau i'd run out of steam i'll be honest with you i didn't feel the same as i've mentioned around trying for a baby you know that we'd had this series of really traumatic events as i say from finding out to the birth, to the funeral, um, and dealing with the grief. And I just knew that I was pretty, if not close, then at the end of that journey. And I'd started to just really try to embrace our wonderful life that we had as a three. Um, As I mentioned to you, sort of think about all the lovely expensive holidays we were going to (laughs) have as a three. And I realised that that was enough. You know, yes, I thought I'd have more children, but actually three is enough um so i started to turn things around in that respect and accept it however as, <laughs> there's always this little niggle of what if and so we thought when it got to the new year um after christmas you know we thought well let's give it one last go and fortunately we fell pregnant with ziggy um who's now i think he's 14 weeks um yeah and as you can probably imagine we just feel he's such a blessing you know in so many ways and i'm glad i just feel so glad that yeah that that this we have him (laughs) sorry it's strange sort of thinking about it after everything you know all in all i i put a post up when he turned three weeks and i think it said something on social media said something like three weeks um in the making three weeks early three weeks old Three years in the making. And um, that's how we feel, I think, that that journey from starting to finish um, and actually delivering Bo, sorry, Ziggy safely, was three years. So, yeah, but he's our little jackpot.
0: I know. How how did you keep going, though, Suze? How did you not give up hope?
1: I mean, I would have, like I say that was our last. I, I mean, the hope has to, I sort of, I knew it was probably, by this point, I knew it was probably an egg issue with me um because of my age we'd had various tests you know and it was fine i forced him to at least go through something <laughs> um and he everything was okay there and um yeah so every time we clung on to the fact that we'd been pregnant before we could carry a baby you know these things that uh, sadly other people struggle with but at least with those things you know were there it was okay and and we could be lucky and i i just i mean i do have a faith in my life as well and I talked my picker was a huge support actually when Bo passed away and um yeah I, I remember him saying we talked about it and he said who do you want me to pray for I hope you don't mind me talking about religion but he said who do you want me to pray for and I said I don't want you to pray for me because why not me you know this happens to w- women all around I refuse to ever say why me why me because I thought if it's not me, it's someone else because of the stats. So um I just had to have hope and I had to have faith, and I had to each month pick myself up and say, You can do this, your body can do this, even if that was misfounded and silly because I was 40 odd years old and my legs were obviously struggling. But I had to sort of give myself and us that chance until I felt that I had really almost beaten us into submission. Um but you know, Darren was just such a support. The sweetest thing about the whole experience for me is that even though I was worried about my ex and my age, Darren just didn't see it. He's so lovely in that respect. He just was, of course it's not you. He just refused to believe it, even though medical sort of knowledge was basically telling us that. He was just so lovely. I never felt it was my fault. I never felt that I was a failure because of that support um I don't know if I've really ever told him that fully but because there's so much we've been through but it, it did mean a huge amount and together we just had to have faith but yeah I think if we hadn't fallen pregnant with Ziggy like we did then I have to say after three years that would have probably been the end of our journey because I don't think we could have taken any more.
0: no well, I'm glad. I'm glad you did find some strength in there but it doesn't surprise me because you're one of the strongest people I know but um he's um the pictures you put up I just I find so emotional there's a lovely one of Dorothy staring at him that I think was your thank you cards and yeah. I just um yeah I'm so happy for you guys thank um you. is there is there any final advice you'd give to anyone going through this you know such awful trauma and loss and grief how to not lose hope and how to keep following that dream. Anything else that you found useful?
1: I think one thing that I, when we were at the in the funeral parlour, and this other couple were there, and we didn't know we didn't know whether to interact with them, whether to say anything. They were obviously having their own journey, and you don't want to impinge on that. And we didn't speak until. As we were leaving, and we were sort of this weird, awkward moment. And I said, just said to this woman without thinking, I said, be kind to yourself. Um and she looked at me and she went that that's it, you know. Um and I think that's it. It's during these this, these journeys, whatever that looks like for you, for you know, whoever's experienced these troubles and these struggles, it's to be kind to yourself because I just think we put so much pressure on ourselves as women um, and we go, we just hammer ourselves constantly to get it right, to to sort of try and fulfil the dream and and to to sort of have those babies. Um, And actually sometimes you just need to stop and make sure you are looking after yourself emotionally and physically. Um, And there were definitely times when I didn't do that. And as a result, I really struggled. And to be honest, there were times that we struggled together as a family because of that. Um, So I think just got to be kind to yourself and allow yourself that space as well to really understand and know what you're going through and how that and how that feels
0: and, and protect yourself
1: as well yeah absolutely um, I think that we talked about it didn't we when we talked about what do you do when you have these miscarriages and life carries on and I have to say with Bo with, with after the others I did everything I was at every party I just carried on and everything so but it was the worst thing I could have done With Beau, I stepped back. Poor Darren had to take Dorothy to all the children's parties and things. And I just said, I can't do this. I need to not put myself at risk of anything that's going to upset me or not help me on this journey. So, And that was the best thing I could have ever done. And actually, I think that helped my journey through, as I mentioned, actually felt quite stable. It was horrifically painful dealing with that grief, but it did with every day it felt easier and easier I think because I really did protect myself and I was really kind to myself through that process
0: yeah well I think that's a perfect point to sort of finish our chat and again Suze thank you so much for talking about Beautiful Beau and your journey and Ziggy and Dorothy and Darren and I just know that um all the things you've talked about will really resonate with people and I hope that they found things you've talked about hopeful that you know you can carry on and get that happy ending in the end but also how you can protect yourself in that journey as well so thanks so much again for coming on to chat today you're welcome and thanks again Emma and lots of love to you on your journey thank you so much for listening to the latest episode I really hope you found it helpful and indeed hopeful Do leave a review and let us know what you thought, or if there are any topics you'd like us to talk about in future episodes. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter, the Hopes and Dreams podcast. And we'll see you again next time. Bye.